Enjoy your Sunday school. All right. Well, man, it's good to be here. It's been a little while since I had the opportunity to stand here and to uh, talk with you guys, and uh, it is a real joy and a pleasure to be back home, to see all of your beautiful faces, and to enjoy fellowship with you guys again. We appreciate you guys, and uh, love you dearly, and are really excited to be able to share what God has been doing. Um, in Nock and I, when we greet somebody at this time of day, we would say, Laharo, Laharo Tamuto which means, literally, Laharo is sun. Not really sunny, but that's what they would say. Laharo tamuto, which means, good day to you all. And you would respond and say, Laharo taume. So go ahead. Very good. See, I mean, there's no reason you guys can't be over there being missionaries. It's not that hard, seriously. Anyway. All right, this morning... Um, I have a little bit of something I'd like to share with you from, from God's Word, and then we'll get into more of our presentation. And uh, so let's start. Let's see if we can get this thing. Turn it on. There we go. Okay. Everybody, I would think, in this room is familiar with eBay. Okay, we've actually nicknamed our youngest child eBay. But um, I don't know why. His name starts with an E. But I was looking at some things online. It's like weird stuff, man, that is sold or bought on eBay. Some dude tried to sell his liver on eBay. And he would have gotten $5.7 million until they said, nope, can't sell body parts. Don't want to start a trend going that down, down that direction. So some other things that were purchased, weird things. You guys know who Britney Spears is, right? It's funny. Like, there are so many people that wear Britney Spears t-shirts over in Papua New Guinea. I don't know. Britney Spears and Bob Marley, they're, they're big over there. Anyway, I'm going to come down here because you guys can't see. I'm so tall. <laughs> anyway, um, that bubble gum, I don't know if it was exactly that bubble gum, but she was at a tennis match once, spit it out into a trash can. Some dude went and got the gum out of the trash can and sold it on eBay for $263. You know anybody popular, follow them around. They spit out their gum. You never know what you can get from it. All right, that's kind of weird. This is a Dorito. Somebody bought this Dorito for $1,209. You know what it looks like. What does it look like? Anybody have an idea? Huh? No, come on, be more creative. What? Yeah, the hat of the Pope. It is the exact shape of the hat of the Pope. So somebody bought it for $1,209. Crazy. Hey, well, if anybody eat Doritos here, pay attention. You can get some money off your Doritos if they're in a funky shape. All right. This one, we kind of all familiar, $28,000 for a half-eaten sandwich. It looks like, well, they say you can kind of see the Virgin Mary's face and there was some redonkulous nonsense. Anyway, somebody paid $28,000 for that thing. Where is it now? Who knows? Anyway, people will give money for this stuff. It's like, what on earth is wrong with people? And there were other things that were on there in the list, but we're going to stop right there for now. What happens when people do this is they take money and they exchange that money for this. 
There's an exchange that happens. And when that exchange takes place, there is something being communicated. What's being communicated is this, that this thing has more value than money. That is what's being communicated. When you buy something, you are essentially saying, what I am buying is of more value to me than the money that I'm paying for it. Does that make sense? If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1. You see, it's kind of strange to think that people would exchange money $28,000 worth for a grilled cheese sandwich. That just doesn't make sense. Well, there's another exchange that takes place that doesn't make any sense whatsoever when God is concerned. Let's start reading Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is evident in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for images made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now that doesn't make any sense either. God is undoubtedly, without question, the most valuable person, thing in the universe. And what do we as human beings do? We see God. We see the things that God has made and done. And what do we do with that truth? What do we do when it comes flying up in our faces? What do we do? What do people in this world do when the truth comes right up in their face? Look at verse 18. What do they do with the truth? Starts with an S, ends with press. Okay, thank you. They suppress it. They suppress the truth. It, there was an article I was reading in a magazine about a scientist writing to his other scientist buddies. And this scientist, I can't remember his name, I'm sorry, but he, in the article, he wrote out very clearly and specifically, listen, guys, this is one scientist talking to his scientist buddies, we must be very, very careful when we look at the things that we are seeing and learning that we don't ever, ever think that they were created. We must always remind ourselves these things evolved. They were not created. What do they do with the truth? They suppress it. Push it down. That's what people do. 
That is the essence here, at least in the beginning, of what Paul calls unrighteousness. It is not right to take that which is infinitely valuable, namely God, and treat Him like dirt. And to take that which was made from dirt and elevate Him to be God. That is not righteous. That is unrighteous. But that is what the world has done. That's what people in Pennsylvania have done. That's what people in Papua New Guinea have done. And that's why every person needs the gospel. Because God is angry with this. His honor and His name are at stake. People see what He has done. They can tell certain truths about Him. And instead of loving Him, thanking Him, embracing Him as the greatest treasure or value in the universe, they throw Him in the dirt. They exchange Him. They exchange His glory for other things. And God is angry, and rightly so. That's why verse 18 starts off with, because, sorry, let's get it right, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. This is what we must be saved from. The righteous wrath of God. Yeah, we've got problems in this world. There is famine. There is hunger. There is abuse. There is illiteracy. There's all kinds of problems in this world. But the single greatest problem that any human being has is that God is angry at their sin. And unless it is dealt with, they will be condemned. They will be punished in hell for eternity. That's the world's biggest problem. God is so gracious, so full of love. Look at verse 16. We know this verse. This is why we have the gospel, guys. It's because every person that you're going to drive past today, every person you may meet at a restaurant or wherever you work this week, if they have not trusted in Christ, God is angry at their sin. And justly so. Because they have offended His glory and His honor. And that's why they need the gospel. Look at what the gospel does. First, uh, chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed, Paul says, of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. In the gospel, the power of God to save people from the wrath of God, anyone who believes. The greatest thing we need to be saved from is the righteous indignation and wrath of the holy God. And praise God, He made that way through the gospel. Through the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Gospel is... I mean, human words, you can't even think of words enough to describe its greatness and the greatness of the grace of God that has shown to us despicable, deplorable exchangers of the glory of God amazing, the grace of God 
is in the gospel. And by the way, we don't have time to get into this now. This is really cool to be to talk about this at some point, but it says here, look at verse uh, 15. This is Paul speaking, writing to not just any Joe person in Rome, but Christians, believers. Okay, you look at verse 5, look at verse 7. He's writing to believers, but look at what he says in verse 15. So as much as is in me, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Awesome. Why on earth, Paul, would you want to preach the gospel to believers? Good question. Verse 16 and the verses following are an answer to that, a very long linked, connected answer. We don't have time to get into that now. But, suffice it to say, people need the gospel. They need the gospel. This is the only way to be saved from the wrath of God, is through the gospel. All right, well, we want to... Oh, Dara did it again. Uh, We have a video that we'd like to show, which gives somewhat of an overview of the ministry that we've had with the Nakanai people as we endeavor to present the gospel, teach the gospel, and see a church planted. So this video should give you a little bit of an idea of what we were involved in the past two and a half to three years before we came back in August. And then after it's done, I'll have some more details and things to to fit in there after it's done. So sit back and relax and enjoy.
We really and truly are thankful for you guys. We, we see ourselves as an extension of you, as a hand or a finger that's able to go where the whole congregation couldn't, but still a part. And um, it is such a blessing and an honor to, to be a part of this body and to be able to serve Christ in this way. And I really mean it. It is a privilege. It is a privilege and an honor. It is, it is such amazing grace that God allows us to serve Him as missionaries, and we are so thankful to be able to do that. It's not always fun or easy, but man, we're so thankful for His grace and allowing us the high privilege of being able to, to serve Him as missionaries. Most of you know us. Some new faces here. I'm going to go ahead and introduce us just briefly. My wife, Nikki, you can stand up and let them see your beautiful face out there. This is my wife, Nikki, and you met three of our kids already up here. The Destroyer, otherwise known as Elias, is back in the nursery, and uh, that's our family. So we live and have lived for the sense of ever since 2005 in Papua New Guinea, which if you see down here, some of you can't see that, but that's Australia. So we're very, very close to Australia, a little bit north, a little bit east, and we live and work out on one of the big islands over there. It's called New Britain. We live in a village called Galilo, among the Nakanai people. The Nakanai people are around 20,000 or so. Uh, they just did a census last year, so we'll see if the number changes or if it's a little more accurate. But uh, in our village alone, we have 2,000 people, which is bigger actually than some whole people groups in Papua New Guinea. Well, a little bit bigger than the size of Texas, has about 6 to 7 million, somewhere in there, people, but 11% of the entire world's languages live in Papua New Guinea. 850 of the 7,400 languages known in the world today live in this country. More than half of them still do not have a copy of God's Word in their own language. So there is much work to be done. This is only one country. There is much work yet to be done. But we work with a mission called New Tribes Mission. Just to give you a little bit of info about that. New Tribes Mission was founded back in 1942 by Paul Fleming, Cecil Dye, some other guys. And their focus was primarily for unreached people groups. That is, groups of people who have little or absolutely no access to God's Word in their language. That's the focus of New Tribes Mission, and that's why we have gone to the Nakanai people. But our goal is to plant churches. Not just to do translation, although that is a, a vital part of this church planting. Not just to make converts. Christ didn't say go into all the world, make converts of all nations. He said go into all the world and make disciples. Okay, some of you have voices. That's good. Disciples. That's a little different than a convert. Okay, so we're there to plant churches that are mature and growing. That's our goal. And there's a lot of things that go into that. I'm only going to briefly touch on some of them this morning. If you come back tonight, we're going to get a little bit more in detail with some of the steps of this process and what we've done so far. And uh, we'll have some visual demonstration and uh, things that we can do tonight. should be fun. So come on back and you can learn a little bit more. But we're going to talk about this thing called CLA. This is predominantly or mostly what I was involved with over the last two and a half years before we got back. CLA, what the world does that stand for? It stands for Culture and Language Acquisition. 
Okay, culture and language acquisition. The process of acquiring the culture and acquiring the language. Now, first of all, let me, let me tell you why it's important to know the culture. and language. Why in the world do we take two years, sometimes of harder languages, eight years, ten years, to learn a language and culture of a people? Why do we do that? Why not just teach in the trade language, in the national language, talk pidgin? Why not teach them English? Well, half of us don't even understand English, so that's going to be hard to do if we don't understand it. But there's a reason why. It's because we believe, we have a very, very strong conviction that God's Word is nothing to be trifled with, that when we translate and when we teach, we better know what the heck we're saying. And we better make sure that it's clear. When they hear it, that they understand what God has for them to understand. And that only can really happen if it's done in their heart language. Okay. That's why we take so long to learn the culture and the language. Because if you don't, you have no idea when you say what you say, how it's going to be understood. One guy, one missionary came and was given a story at one of our conferences there. Came and said, look, it was really important for us to do culture study. Because... Genesis chapter 3. Okay, you guys know that story? Genesis chapter 3. The serpent who is Satan comes to Eve, deceives Eve. She eats the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, gives to Adam. Adam eats, the whole world goes to pot. Okay. Now, in their culture, in this person's culture where they were working, they believed that the greater of a deceiver you were, the more worthy of respect you are. So now you take that culture understanding and apply it to Genesis chapter 3. Who are they going to think is the hero of the story? Who are they going to think is the greatest? Certainly not God. They're going to think Satan because he's the one that deceives. So man, Satan, he's the man. Look, he pulled the wool over Eve's eyes and deceived her. And if they, had, if they hadn't studied the culture, if they hadn't known that, they would have gone right through that story and had no idea that these people... We're now thinking, the missionary was teaching that Satan is greater than God and worthy of more respect. It is so important that we understand culture. And culture is a funny thing. You know, we live in America, all of us, pretty much, I think. Well, you go down to Harrisburg, okay? You go down to inner city Harrisburg? You all from Harrisburg? All right. There is a unique culture down there, okay? Okay. It's inside. It's like how many miles? Ten miles, maybe. That's one culture. It's, it's a little same same language, but a little bit different lingo, a little bit different style of dress and mannerisms and different things. Now you go thirty miles, whatever, down to Lancaster, to the Amish. Whoa, we're talking way different culture. Okay, even inside of America, we've got different cultures. Okay, and we're not even going to talk about people from the South. Anyway, hey. so the people rule. All right. Anyway, so there's these things of different culture, and culture was a fun thing to get to learn. Okay? We, number one, it got us out with the people. Okay? In this whole process of culture and language learning, we were out with the people, making friends, doing what they do. And as we did that, we, sh- we showed care, concern, compassion for them, meeting them where they're at. I mean, Christ did that, right? He left his comfort zone, his home, came to this dirty, stinky earth. To live and die, and we are trying to follow in that example. And it was neat to get out there and build those relationships and friendships and earn the right to speak. Just because we are white, we are kind of given some status, but it's like, 
stupid, but they do it anyway. But that doesn't mean that they're going to want to hear what we have to say just because we're white. We need to earn the right to speak into their lives. And so that's one good thing that we were able to do during this whole CLA process. Now, back to culture a little bit. I want to give an example. Some, some examples in culture are harmless, kind of funny. The things we do and why we do them. Sometimes we don't even know why we do the things that we do. All right, but today, and, and I used this earlier this morning. I may have used it before. I'm not sure. But if I've used this illustration, please forgive me and pretend like you never heard it before and laugh anyway. All right. No matter who you are, you have to deal with snot. Snot. <laughs> Clarify that. Okay, it doesn't matter. It was really funny. I was sitting down with Bosco one day. We were talking. I don't know what we were talking about. I said, Ben, and we said it in pidgin. So, Ben, in one plus something, suppose you prime minister, suppose you one plus walk boy, that's all. You know one plus something? You me get back? You me walk about one time, peck, peck, inside a little bell blow you me. Which means it doesn't matter who you are. You can be the president or you can be just a work boy. Everybody walks around with poop in their stomach. That's what he said. Okay, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that in church. But it's a fact of life, okay? Now, don't look weird. You know, people are looking weird at each other, thinking about that. It's like, don't go there. But snot's something else we've got to deal with. Okay, so in Nock and I, if you have to deal with snot, if you're out on the trail or in the garden or wherever, you really can just kind of plug and blow. And it's done, okay? Hands-free. It's like Bluetooth. It's not removal. You don't have to use your hands for any of it, okay? Kind of gross, you know. Don't walk around. Usually see people at Walmart or McDonald's doing that. But anyway. What's more interesting than that is children and how moms and dads take care of children's snot. Because they don't care. You know, little, little kids. And they got snot all over their face all the time. All the time. And so you go to visit them, and what do they do? Come here, Alyssa. Let me use you as a demonstration. Come on. I'm not, it's not going to hurt. I promise. Okay. So if this is my, now she's a little older, she probably wouldn't do this, but what they do is like, okay, we'll go out and visit some people as a family. Like, oh man, here's the white, white people coming, hurry up, let's get rid of the snot. So they just take it like this, and you just grab it like that, and then you got to find somewhere to put it. So they'll go up and they'll, you know, this is in the middle of a conversation, and they'll just wipe it on the house post, just get it all off of there. Okay, that's done, it's no pause in the conversation. That's totally normal. Totally. T and then, you know, our kids, of course, they want to go climb that pole. It's like, jeez. Anyway, so, well, that's kind of gross, okay? You don't really do that here. If you do, you might want to stop. <laughs> Just think about it. You go over to somebody, like, okay, for instance, if you go over to somebody's house today or next time, you know, and, and, and you just imagine, you know, their kids running around, they've got the snot thing happening, and they just grab it. And they go wipe it on the recliner. Or they go wipe it on the, the dining room table. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Gross. Totally gross. You just don't do... Who does that? Yeah, see, you guys... You know better now. All right. That's just... We don't do it that way here, okay? Now, you come into our society, our culture. We totally are different. We have a different way of doing things. Most people... I don't know the percentages. I haven't taken a poll. But anyway, you'll get tissue... Kleenex, do your thing. In the wastebasket, very good. I prefer that method, actually. Okay. Some people, however, and if you're one of these people, I mean you no disrespect at all. 
I have those in my own family, not Will, that do this. But there are people in our culture today that when they have to deal with snot, they reach in their back pocket, or their front pocket, some pocket, and they pull out a piece of cloth. And the Lord only knows what's already in there. And they unfold it, and they do their thing. And then what do they do with it? They fold it back up first. They fold it, and they put it back in their pocket. Okay. I sat there with some of my, guy, my guys there in the, in the village, and we were talking about this. I had no idea how it came up. But anyway, I was talking about this with them, and when I got to the point when I was explaining, you know, they told us, obviously I knew what they did, and I said, we don't do that in America. Um, they said, well, what do you guys do? Like, well, I explained it to them, and they said, They were puzzled. So after a little, I saw this puzzled look on their face. And I asked, what's the problem? He said, well, Ben, we just want to know, why on earth are they saving it? What are they going to do with it later? I had no idea what to say. What do you say to that? I have no idea why we take that and put it in our pocket and save it for later. So anyway, if you do that, I mean, you know, disrespect whatsoever, but... It's different. Cultures are so different. So much to learn. So many new things. And uh, anyway, you can have some fun with that. But there's also some serious things. I was sitting on the bench one day outside of our house. A guy named Enoch comes up. He's carrying a baggie. He's got hair in this baggie. And I only assumed it was his hair, you know, because he looked freshly shaved. So I said, okay, ma'am, what are you carrying around uh, the hair for? He's like, well, i got to take care of it. Like, well, yeah, why don't you just sweep it up and get rid of it? Oh, no, 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 no. You don't do that. You don't do that, Ben. You've got to get all of that hair. Because if you don't, somebody could come along. One of my enemies could come along. They could get a piece of hair. And if they know sorcery or if they know someone else who knows sorcery, can do magic on that hair of mine, and I will get deathly sick. I could even die. Okay. Huh. Well, what are you going to do with it, Enoch? I said, well, I'm going to have to wait till you know, sometime. It's kind of a hush-hush thing. I've got to wait till you know, nobody's looking or it's dark or whatever. I've got to go bury it somewhere or probably burn it. Okay. So there's the fear of the spirits and this animistic mindset. Even though there's this religious thing that you saw that they do, there's still this animistic mindset that's buried deep in there. Fear of the spirits. Fear of magic and sorcery. So these culture things are very important for us to understand as we go about translating the Bible, teaching the Bible, so we can confront these things on a worldview level and displace them and present a biblical worldview. In the middle of this whole culture language thing that we were doing, you guys remember probably uh, some communication that we wrote back, the Neuland family from Germany. They were our partners. They were very instrumental in getting us into Nakanai, and why God chose to remove them, I don't know. But I don't question God. He is God and He will do as He pleases and He knows best. But uh, it, was somewhat, it was sad when we heard that they weren't going to be coming back. Uh, we weren't totally surprised or shocked, but it was a, a sad thing. So we were in there for roughly a year by ourselves without any other white skins, as they call us, uh, missionaries. But the Lord was faithful. We, we lacked for no good thing. 
and he sustained us. He helped us get through every trial that we faced. He helped me learn the language and the culture to a level of proficiency where I could start doing translation and, and different things. So the Lord was good all the way through it. Um, something else we did in the middle of that, and you maybe heard some stories about this. Nikki started a computer training thing there in the village. And uh, we had like 200 people, I think, sign up in a couple of weeks from like 10 different villages. And it was just crazy. But um, we started with eight people, most of which had not a clue what anything was. Okay, what the world is a touchpad? Double click what? Drag and drop? They had no idea. Okay, couldn't type. Didn't even know how to turn the computer on. Okay. We took them through some of the things. Nikki's got some really interesting stories she can tell you about later. You can come back tonight. We can talk about it a little bit more. We don't have time to do it right now. But the reason why we did it was because we wanted to show some, <clears throat> how shall we say it? Most of the time when New Tribes goes into a place, it's pretty isolated. They don't have medical facilities. So we provide that service. You know, Christ came to die on the cross, and he did that. He came to teach the words of God. He did that. But what else did he do? He healed. He fed. He met the physical needs of people. And we're trying to do that. This is, we're hopefully helping them get a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a jump start on some things that, you know, possible employment opportunities in the town nearby. Um, this is one of the reasons that we were doing this, to show a care and compassion for the people in the village. But we're hoping, trusting that God is actually going to save some of these guys. And then they can jump right on with me and do in translation and do in Bible lesson writing. And I don't have to take the time to teach them how to type. I don't have to take the time to teach them what a computer is and how it works. They know that already. So that's another reason that we kind of did this. And they do type pretty well, up to 40 words per minute, I think, better than some of us. And um, up to 50. Okay. And are able to edit, format documents in Microsoft Word. It was really cool how all of that happened. Nikki's got some stories. You can talk to her about that later. But for the remaining uh, few minutes, just want to touch here on the Cassia Church and, and some interesting and really neat things that God has done and is doing. This church, small group of people, probably about 14, they live in a different village than we do. We, our village is Galilo. Their village is Cassia. 45 minutes in... Um, down the road, the one single road that we have there. <clears throat> and you saw a picture of them already. And uh, when the Neulands left, we decided that we need to be able to, to get to know these guys, to get to know their needs, to be able to encourage them, to disciple and equip them as, equip them as much as we can. And so we did that. You know, our main ministry is and will be in Galilo. But here's these brothers and sisters of ours that we have grown to love, they need help. They need teaching. They need discipleship. They need encouragement. And so we met with them every Sunday for about the last ten, nine to ten months before we came back. And it was incredible, humbling to hear them pray simple prayers of faith, trusting God, their Father, and so thankful for just the littlest tiny things. I remember one of these guys, Chris. I don't know how many times he would cry, weep, as he would pray or, or give testimony to how God supplied a bag of rice for his family to eat for a meal. When he couldn't get to the garden that day to get some stuff, God supplied a bag of rice. 
God's love and His faithfulness, even in those small things. Not taking anything for granted. It was really challenging and humbling to me. But I put Bo and Flo up here. They're Bosco and Florence. I call them Bo and Flo. Really good friends of ours. Really loved these guys. Had a lot of fun and uh, getting to know them and teaching them, discipling them. Please pray for these guys. Bosco works a full-time job at the support center, which is really close to the, his village. He also has a wife and a family to take care of. He's also got gardens that he needs to maintain. He's also got gardens that he has to make new. On top of that, he is the main leader and teacher for the group of believers there in Cassia, and he teaches every Sunday. On top of that, he's got at least three different, three to f- I think four actually, different outreaches with different families in their area, sometimes multiple nights during the week. He's got so much going on, I don't know how he does it. And on top, there are still people in Cassia and in Hoskins that have seen the difference in Bosco and Florence's life, in their marriage, in the way they deal with their kids. My goodness, the gospel makes a huge difference. And they see that, and there's, other, there's about four different families before we left that were asking to be taught. But there is nobody right now in the church that can get to them, to teach them. And they've got to wait. David is also one of the, the leaders and teachers there. You can pray for him. His situation is very, very similar. And man, these guys need prayer. They need prayer for wisdom to be able to, to have the right kind of husband-wife relationship, right kind of family relationship, to continue on the ministry with all the outreach that they've got going on. And when I say outreach, what we do in New Tribes Mission, I mean, this isn't doctrine and this isn't, you have to do it this way, but we've found it's best to start at the beginning of the Bible. That's where God started, right? Genesis. There is so much foundation So much stuff that happens in Genesis that's so vital and important to understand the Gospels and to understand the New Testament. So we start there. We we teach through the main stories, the themes that are in those stories about who God is, His character, His holiness, who man is, what sin is. All in these Old Testament stories, we come into the New Testament. Christ comes on the scene. They know why He's there. They know why. They've heard from the Old Testament. Why Jesus had to come. And uh, after they believe, there's a whole other six phases of teaching that they will go through before we finally will remove ourselves. Well, somewhere in that four to five phase range, we move out and allow the church to carry on. But this is our goal. This is what we want to see. Them mature, growing, depending on Christ, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, it is really neat to be a part of, of their lives and to see that happening even in little things today, being so faithful. Finally, um, just wanted to briefly touch on this. This was such, this was so cool. I, I don't know exactly. It, it could very well possibly be the first real Christian baptism in all of Nakanai history. I don't know. But one Sunday we gathered together on the beach. There's the beach, and then there's this nice, crystal clear, cool creek that comes and meets at the, at the beach. It was just a beautiful place. And um, we sat down, and uh, I was able to teach through what the Scripture says about baptism, what it is and what it isn't. Actually, I did that once prior to this. Did it again, just so it was sure. This has nothing to do with salvation at all. Baptism is for people who already believe, and it's in obedience to what Christ said. 
It was such a joy to have that opportunity to, to teach and to be able to baptize Bosco. He was the first one. He's the main leader there, the main teacher. And so that's what I did. I was able to baptize Bosco. And then Bosco and I baptized David, who was the other leader. And after that, I was removed. I took myself out, and it fell upon these two guys to baptize the remaining seven. And it was neat as Bosco was watching me. He said, as he watched me get out of the water there, he just felt this. It's like, wow, dude, this is, this is us now. You know, this does not hang upon Ben Buckner. This does not hang, when I say this, I mean the church. It doesn't hang upon the white skin missionary or New Tribes mission. It hangs upon God. And God wants to use me to lead this church. And that dawned on him and it was really neat to hear his testimony and his perspective on that. It was just a really cool time. We can talk a little bit maybe more about it later on this evening if you come back, um, if you have questions. Some things we want to talk about. What's ahead for us? Bible lessons. Writing Bible lessons in Nakanai. Word for word. I can tell you why I don't have time to do it right now, but there's a reason why we do it that way. But that's a huge thing as well as translation, of course. And... Uh, I have a little bit more time this evening. I'll go into a little bit more of the process, the steps. I, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into when I did this. 20, there's, a, there's a list of 20 steps that every single verse uh, that is translated has to go through before it is able to be printed and called God's Word. 20 steps for every verse of the whole New Testament and all the portions of the Old Testament that we do. Talk a little bit more about that later tonight, but that is a huge, huge task. And uh, it's all there laying before us. And um, also, Nikki's going to continue with computer training. Um, but this time around, teaching some teachers how to teach the computer course. So that's a different monster, different ball game. And uh, Nikki's going to really need some wisdom for that. But uh, as, I, as I mentioned before, too, the ongoing discipleship, those guys in Kasia are very, very dear to us. But again, our main ministry is in Galilo, different village. So how that's going to work... I don't know. The Lord does. We're going to trust Him. He's going to show us how all that's going to work together. We want to still be involved with these guys, but Galileo is kind of in the center and the hub of what we're going to be involved in, in in our ministry and doing there. So when we get back, Lord willing, and please don't hold, the, hold me to this, but we are planning or have a goal to be starting the teaching about nine to ten months after we get back to Papua New Guinea. There's a lot of preparation that has to go into it. We can talk a little bit more about that this evening as well, if you'd like. But um, these are some things that, that lie ahead. And that will be awesome. That will be really exciting to get to that point. So, continue to please to pray for us. We know that you do. And we're asking you please to continue to do that. For the Kasia Church, as I mentioned, some things with Bo and Flo and David and Lucy. For their growth, their unity, the outreaches that are going on, which are manifold and plenty. Um, really cool things God's doing there and stirring up people's hearts. Uh, pray again for more Bible teachers and leaders to be raised up, more guys that want to teach. And um, again, be praying that God would prepare hearts of people to hear His Word. Uh, you can pray for me as I do translation and as I write these lessons that I talked about earlier. Uh, pray for Nikki. She wants to finish her CLA. She got about halfway and then had to stop because of homeschooling and computer class and this, that, and the other. But in order to be involved more with the ministry, translation, and Bible lessons, and discipleship of ladies, that kind of thing, 
she would need to get to a, a place of, of higher proficiency in the language and culture. So pray for her. She desires to finish that. As well as homeschooling four kids. Sometimes it feels like there's eight, but there's only four. So you can pray for her as she does that, as well as the computer training course. One big thing we'd ask you to pray for and keep in mind is partners for us. The Neulands have left. We're the only ones in there right now. It is way too big for us. Way too big. And it's, it, this is nothing, no mere human endeavor. This is God's work. And we know and we trust God will bring somebody, as I said before. But we want His choice and His time. We know He's going to provide it. We have seen Him be so faithful. He will provide for our needs. When and who, we don't know. But we continue to pray and ask that you pray with us. Please praise the Lord with us for the new believers there in Nock and I. There was two of them in the past six months that have believed and uh, that I was able to finish the formal full-time CLA. Praise the Lord for that. And I can get into some more of these other ministry things. Um, we also want to praise God for you. As I mentioned before, you're the body here. We're a part of. And uh, without you guys, without God's faithfulness through you guys, this thing would never fly, never happen. So we are so appreciative and thankful for you guys. Don't forget, in the back there, there's a place you can sign up. If you haven't signed up for our updates, we send them out, I don't even know when, sporadically. So you can sign up for that and keep up with what's going on. There's also prayer cards and a, a little brochure of how you guys can help. Beyond praying, beyond giving financially, there's other ways that you can actually help and be a part of us reaching out to the Nakanai. So thank you guys so very much for the opportunity to, to share with you what God is doing. Hopefully you'll be able to be back tonight. We'll get into some more hands-on stuff, some visual demonstrations, and some more details of some of the things we talked about this morning. So, should I just pray and we'll be done? Okay, let's do that then. Father, man, it is so good to be here, and you know how how when we're away from these folks, how our hearts long for them, to be with them, to fellowship with them, and to see them, and to see what you're doing among them. It's just a really awesome thing. Thank you for your kindness to us and bringing us back here for this short time to be able to fellowship with these guys at Garden Chapel. We thank you for them. God, I ask that you continue to use them. I pray that you'd use them to bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. I pray that we would not be ashamed of the gospel realizing it's the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes and that we would be mindful of the things that you've spoken in your word that you would help us to remember them, your desire for all men to hear and come to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you again for the Cassia Church, for what you've done there, for what you're continuing to do and will do. God, we, we commit them to you and trust that as their loving Father that you will take care of them and grant them the things that they need to carry on the ministry and to carry on as, a, as husbands and wives and as families, that their light would continue to shine to bring more people, draw more people to Christ. May our lives do the same. And we'll give you the praise, the glory, the honor for all that is done. For it is in Christ's name and for His sake that we ask these things. Amen. Thank you guys. Have a great day.